0: Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by a company I know you'll dig because you love listening to audio. Head over to audible.com forward slash brain and pick out your free book and start your 30-day trial today. Listen to books. It only makes sense. Are you annoyed by affirmations? How about people that have it easier than you and tell you things like, Think positively! What you think about, you bring about. So just turn the other cheek and the universe will always provide. But no one will hire me. The universe will hire you, my friend. But my car is broken down. I wouldn't even be able to drive to work if I could. (laughs) The universe will drive you to work. It will? Yes, just keep thinking positively and it will all work out. The universe will drive me to work? What does that even mean? (laughs) If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like a straight path to denial, Then get ready to start creating the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of this show that I call The Overwhelmed Brain. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. Everything I talk about in this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. I'm going to bring up an interesting subject, and that is Dreams, and uh, I've had some experience doing my own research into my own dream state. I did some um, studies a long time ago, probably fifteen years, into lucid dreaming. And if you don't know what lucid dreaming, it's when you awaken in the dream and you know you're dreaming. And uh, the research I did in myself and the study that I did just through books and such, uh, really opened my mind about what's possible. For example, um, I read that Nikola Tesla, famous inventor, uh, I think he invented um, DC power, where then you had like Thomas Edison who invented AC power, and then Thomas Edison won. I don't know the whole history yet or if I'm even right about that. (laughs) But they were like uh, competing inventors, I think, for a while. But Nikola Tesla... I read he actually saw entire creations in his mind and could build a machine in his mind and then run that machine and watch where it would fail, all using his mind. I mean, I don't even know if he wrote anything down. I'm sure he did when he was going through his inventing and production process, but he could actually build it. Again, this is what I read, (laughs) but I, I tend to believe it because he could actually build it and just watch it run in his mind. And then he could predict where it would fail and then repair that in his mind and then recreate it and then bring it to the 3D world and make a make a make some sort of device that works. And I thought, that's impossible. <laughs> now I believe it's absolutely possible. In fact, my girlfriend and I were having a conversation uh, just last night and we were talking about I forget what subject it was, but uh, I said, you know, when I was 15 or around that age, I decided to memorize the alphabet backwards. I was living with my dad, and he had a friend over, and he was telling us the story about uh, him being in class and reciting the alphabet backwards. And when I was 15, I was like, oh my God, that would be so cool. (laughs) And so I wanted it so bad. I wanted to be able to do that so bad. And so that night I went up to my room and I don't know how I did this, but it happened. I saw the entire alphabet as if I zoomed way out and I could see every single letter. I mean, I, I tried to do this again last night just to see every single letter and I could only see like six or seven at a time. But when I was 15, I saw the entire alphabet just, um, just in a long straight line. And in my mind's eye, I just flipped the whole thing in reverse and I read it, again, I didn't write it down, I just used my mind's eye. I read it from from back to front, Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P, and I just went through, I did the whole thing. And it only took me a matter of five or six seconds to memorize the entire alphabet backwards. And from that point on, I never had to practice again. I just had it memorized. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. But that to me showed that the the mind, the brain, can do so much more than what we do with it. I mean, I know what I do with it a lot. I stare at screens. <laughs> I watch videos. I listen to audios. And I do things that don't really use my mind. They just numb my mind. Or at least some do. I mean, a lot of it's educational, so I'm not saying anything bad about that. But um, think about the difference between watching a video, like a movie or a TV show, and reading a book and recreating the visual of that book in your mind. It's using your visual muscles. It's using your, your visual cortex and your brain. And when you use it that way, you build it up, you strengthen it, and strengthening it helps you visualize better. It helps you visualize more creatively. It helps you build that visual muscle. So my point is, is that the more you strengthen those uh, areas of your brain, the more likely you'll be able to do certain things uh, better. Like Nikola Tesla could build entire machines in his mind. He could do these things. And I believe that we are all capable of Being just as creative. I mean, we have strengths in some areas and weaknesses in other areas. So, how do you get stronger in those areas? You build upon them, you strengthen them, you do things that will help the brain process those things easier. So, that was just an interesting side story about how I memorized the alphabet. And I still know it to this day. I don't even have to think about it, it just comes out. My brain did it in a few seconds. I know it's possible. I was there. <laughs> and I can recite it for you now, but maybe I'll, um, I'll save that as an Easter egg after the music ends at the end of the show. <laughs> anyway, this is some of the stuff that got me interested in uh, learning more about our dreams. And w- what is a dream? It's typically some sort of visualization in our mind. I don't know how blind people do it. Maybe it's more feeling and hearing. But I've even seen uh, blind people access areas, visual areas of their brain, when they're um, thinking about things, because you can watch, you know, eye movements. And if you look up, you're accessing the visual area of your thoughts. I talk about that in one of the patron episodes. But the idea is that um, when you're looking up and to the left and to the right, you're you're thinking about, you're creating images or you're remembering images. And I've seen um, blind people do this. So. I know they're still accessing some sort of visual processing center in their brain. That's neither here nor there. I just find it interesting that uh, even though some people have been born blind, they still do similar things to try to access information. And I don't know how they see or what they see, but I find that fascinating. Anyway, so uh, about dreams. When you dream, typically it's a visual movie or images or I'm sure it can be different for everyone, but um, for the most part, you'll wake up and go, oh, I just had this dream and I was swimming in the ocean and this person was chasing me in a boat and whatever the dream is. And we always have these like, a lot of the times we have these wild (laughs) things like as if it were coming from a child's imagination. Now, that's also interesting because a child's imagination has no conscious filters saying that things aren't real. And if you didn't have conscious filters saying that things weren't real, maybe your imagination might be a little out there as well. might go really crazy with um, dreams or even uh, daydreaming when you're imagining things. and Like when a child plays with toys and he sees a monster in his mind's eye and the monster's chasing the toy and he sees imaginary friends. All kinds of things that can happen. Uh, in the mind of a child, but that's when it's most free. When the mind is most free, it can imagine things that don't exist. In hypnosis, they call it positive hallucinations, like you're actually seeing something that isn't there, as opposed to negative hallucinations, which is when you don't see something that is there. And this is all fascinating stuff with the mind and stuff that I've learned about Uh, but especially after I started learning about where I'm coming back to lucid dreaming. When I started studying lucid dreaming, I really wanted to have one. I know I've woken up in my dream before, but typically when I've woken up in my dream, I will wake up and out of the dream, and suddenly I'm not dreaming anymore. It's just like, oh, I I don't get a chance to actually uh, stay in the dream and explore a little bit. But um, after I started uh, reading about it every night, and keeping it on my mind throughout the day and being more and more aware of it and always asking myself, am I dreaming? That was one of the, the techniques they, they talk about in this book I was reading. Because what happens is when you're dreaming and you don't know you're dreaming, if you're in the habit of asking yourself, am I dreaming, uh, you're more likely to wake up in the dream. So I studied lucid dreaming for a couple of years and I only had two lucid dreams <laughs> in that couple of years. I think because uh, I had a lot going on in life. I had some emotional trauma that I was still carrying that I didn't know about, which leads me to uh, another little side story about dreaming is that when I had a lot of emotional trauma, uh, emotional wounds that I was carrying around, I had a lot of nightmares. And for a period of about a year, a year and a half, I had a nightmare almost every night. Now, when you wake up, anxious and sweating and having just run from some sort of creature or monster or whatever was going on in your dream, whatever the nightmare was, when you wake up from something like that, at least when I did it, I used to take that feeling throughout my day. So, I would <laughs> I would go to sleep at night, have a dream that made me anxious, wake up with this anxiety, take it with me throughout the day, and then get anxiety before going to sleep at night because I knew I was going to have another nightmare. It was a continuous Vicious cycle, but what I did one day is decide. You know what? I'm sick of these nightmares. And I asked universe, God, whatever, myself. <laughs> I asked, why don't you just give me the worst nightmare you could possibly give me and get it over with? Just kill me in the dream, chase me down, uh, make it the worst, scariest, goriest, most terrible monster you can find and scare the hell out of me. I was so sick of the nightmares. You know, you get to that point where you just give up, and that's what I did. I just gave up. I was sick of resisting these nightmares. I hated this feeling, I just didn't care anymore, and that night I went to sleep, didn't have a nightmare. The next night I went to sleep, no nightmare. From that point on, I might have had five nightmares total in the past 15 years or so. I hadn't had any nightmares after that. And I had to ask myself, what was that about? And one of the things that came up was, actually two of the things that came up were acceptance and resistance. The more I resisted the nightmares, the more they showed up in my life. The day I accepted that I, in, in fact, even wanted a nightmare, it disappeared. That taught me a lot about acceptance and resistance and is one of the components of, almost everything I teach. Acceptance uh, eliminates the resistance. It um, it takes the power away from what you resist. So anyway, I promise I'm going somewhere with all this dream stuff. (laughs) I just didn't realize how much I thought about when it came to dreaming. I really branched off in my studies uh, with all this dream stuff and visualization and how we process things and how we do things. A lot of it a lot of what we do in life is visual so when our brain does something with all this visual information when we go to sleep why is it doing it and and this is where i'm going <laughs> why do we dream why why have dreams and you know i've read about dreams and i've read about interpretations and you know when you dream this it means that and i've come to my own conclusion about dreaming uh, that i haven't really found i'm sure it's out there i'm sure there's a study out there But um, I haven't seen this myself. My own interpretation of a dream is when you have an emotion to process that hasn't processed. And the mind takes that emotion and converts it into symbolism and imagery. Again, I don't think this is original, but this is what I came up with. That um, when you dream, you are converting emotional energy inside you into some sort of message in your brain. When I was having nightmares, there was a message there. And I can look back and go, "Well, my relationship was falling apart. I hated my job. Uh, I didn't. I was in debt. I, you know, I didn't have much money. Uh, all kinds of things. And I still had all this hatred inside me for my stepfather. Maybe that was the monster. I don't know. But the symbolism was there. You know, I hated this monster that was chasing me, and I was in fear, just like I was when I was a kid." I was in fear. So after my nightmares and after I started studying this stuff, I realized that when I have a dream that invokes some emotion in me, then I use that as a, uh, a guide or a, a reminder of what emotion is still in me that might need processing. And I found this to be true. When I have a dream that invokes some sort of emotion, I connect with that emotion and I ask myself, What else in my life is causing me to feel this emotion? For example, last night I had a dream that uh, my girlfriend and I were sitting on the floor of a mall. Uh, I was on a blanket. She was on a blanket. And people were just walking by, not even looking at us, kind of ignoring us. And uh, we weren't really thinking twice. It, It almost felt like we lived there. (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't feel any. I didn't feel bad. I felt pretty comfortable. I'm on a blanket, <laughs> and we're in a mall. I have access to a bathroom. I don't know. Maybe I was homeless. I don't know. Uh, I've been homeless, and I was comfortable being homeless. So I don't want to be homeless again. But uh, having been there, I, I've come to a comfort level that if it ever happens again, I know I can survive. Everything's fine. So in the dream, that really didn't bother me. Then my stepfather showed up, and I was like, oh. what's he doing here? And I haven't seen my stepfather in years, and uh, I've healed from so much of this past crap (laughs) that I had to go through, this emotional stuff that I had because I was in that alcoholic household for so long. Um, So for him to show up, okay, what's that about? And thinking about it now, in real time, the question I ask myself when I have an unusual dream like that is, what emotions were present in that dream? When I saw my stepfather, I was like, I really don't want to deal with him. I wasn't afraid, but I just felt like I don't want to deal with him. What emotion is that? Um, it's not fear. It's just I don't want to deal with it. So I might have to dig into that a little further later, but there's something there. There's something I want to avoid. There's something coming up from the past that I just don't want to deal with. And there's. it's probable that there's an emotion in there that I haven't identified yet that I'm probably experiencing uh, or have been experiencing in the last few days. So it would be a good idea for me to explore the last few days and think about what has happened and what might have caused me to feel that emotion. Because the dream is a great way to bring up anything that might be suppressed. Like if I experienced something and I suppressed the emotion regarding that experience, assuming it's a negative emotion, uh, then my dream will say, "Hey, this needs to be dealt with." <laughs> I don't care what the symbolism is. what's the emotion that comes up?" So I might need to explore that. Then the dream actually went on, and my girlfriend and I hid behind one of the couches in the seating area of the, of the mall in the middle, and we were just waiting for him to go away. And then the people cleared out of the mall eventually because it closed. And he was still sitting there. <laughs> and then he got up. And he had one of those wide brooms and he started sweeping. And I was thinking, does he work at the mall? This is going to be a problem because I live at the mall. And now that I think about it, I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking about living with him again? No. Because as he was sweeping, he was ripping things out of the floor. And I'm like, Wait he's ripping things out of the floor and he was taking them out of the mall. And then he picked up a chair and he took that out of the mall. I'm like, is he stealing from the mall? <laughs> so I have these uh, images coming up uh, as I think about it now that make me wonder what emotions are there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explore that a little bit. But I think that's something that you can do too is remember a dream that you had, whether it was recent or in the past, something that really uh, stands out in your mind. And what emotions were in that dream? Was there anger? Was there fear? Was there um, sadness? Was there hatred? Was there, you know, bring it up inside of you. And then try to think of what else was going on in your life at the time. Or if it was recent, what else is going on in your life now that might give you those same emotions? Because if they're in there and they are being revealed in your dreams because you've maybe suppressed them, it's a perfect opportunity to address them inside of you and just let them come up in you and allow them to be and this comes back to acceptance when I allowed my nightmares to be you know hell I didn't want those (laughs) and I resisted and resisted and resisted and the more I resisted it seems like the worse they got I finally got sick of it I'm sick of having those nightmares so I said fine and I just said Bring it on. Whatever you got, bring it on. Bring me the worst nightmare you could possibly bring me. I don't give a crap. (laughs) I don't give an S. You know the word. (laughs) I don't give one. And uh, sure enough, that night, it disappeared. I just dropped my resistance and became completely accepting of whatever was going to happen. And nothing happened. The nightmares stopped completely. And... Yes, since then, I've had a few nightmares once a year, once every five years. I mean, it was very minimal. But I can look back and go, okay, there were things going on in my life. I mean, even like um, when I used to play a lot of video games, I would play like a really scary game. My girlfriend laughs at me. She goes, games aren't scary. They're just video games. (laughs) But when you're really involved in a game and you feel like you're part of the story, and then some creature comes out and tries to attack you, fear kicks in. <laughs> and you might jump or you might scream. And so I had this fear kick in when I was playing those games, and I actually had some nightmares that involved fear. And so those emotions, um, I either didn't deal with them, or they were still prevalent in me, and so the dreams brought them up. And it's possible the dreams help you process them. I think there's some theories around that too is that you have emotions going on inside of you. The dream appears as a a way to process them and even address them in your dream. Like my girlfriend is very good at um, lucid dreaming. She She doesn't call it lucid dreaming, but from what she told me, I said, you're lucid dreaming. And she goes, I don't even know what that means. I said, you're waking up in your dream, right? And she goes, yeah, you're lucid dreaming. And she goes, well, I deal with a lot of my problems there. I just bring them up and... I can do things in the dream and uh, get some solutions. And I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) How do I do that? And uh, she really doesn't know how to tell me how to do it. She just has done it for a long time. So I still haven't perfected that yet. When I do, I'll let you know. (laughs) But the whole point about this is to be open to the emotions that come up in your dreams because they're probably ones that you're still holding on to today, especially if the dreams are really bad and you're just waking up in a sweat or anxiety and all these things. And also, um, start programming your mind at night saying, I want to wake up in my dream. I mean, if you want to do this, this is what I started doing with the lucid dreaming stuff. I want to wake up in my dream. I want to wake up. And even ask yourself throughout the day, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Just every now and then, am I dreaming? I would even set my watch um, to go off. And every time it went off, I would say, am I dreaming? And uh, that translated into my dream world. And I was able to wake up a couple times. And, you know, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But it was quite fascinating uh, just waking up in the dream and staying awake while I was asleep. Hard to explain if you've never experienced this. But uh, if you've ever woken up in the dream and realized you were dreaming, just imagine how cool that would be. It's a whole nother world and it's a whole nother realm to help you heal from some emotional stuff that you're carrying around. It's there for you. It's your playground almost. And it's an opportunity for you to utilize this tool that you have built inside of you if you want to. So maybe you can pick up a book on lucid dreaming or check it out. You don't necessarily have to wake up in your dream, uh, but it's helpful because then you're more aware. You have the thoughts that you normally have when you're conscious, when you're awake so that helps you try to figure things out because you can explore possibilities there. But even if you don't wake up inside the dream, when you wake up for real the next day, you can explore the emotions that you had in the dream the night before. If you even remember your dreams. Some people don't remember their dreams. So you can explore the emotions that you have when you wake up. What emotions am I having now? That's a good way to do it. If you can't remember your dream, then just wake up and go, okay, what emotion am I feeling? And that probably, I'm going to guess, uh, appeared in your dream somewhere. So anyway, I went all over the map talking about dreaming. I think I had a lot to talk about. I just didn't organize my thoughts. But that's pretty much how a dream goes. (laughs) So consider this segment part of a dream. You're not really awake right now. Well, if you're driving, you're definitely awake and you're going to stay awake. But for the rest of you that aren't driving and are listening on your couch or in bed or somewhere else... Maybe this was all a dream. We'll be right back. Okay, as a podcast listener, you probably really enjoy auditory learning. I absolutely love learning through audio and love teaching through audio as well. And as an auditory learner, you've probably heard about Audible. Audible is a fantastic service that provides an unmatched selection of audio programs. You can play any of the titles that you download on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, iPod, or any other MP3 player. Personally, I play audiobooks on my tablet, and I love it. Actually, that's not entirely true. I use one more thing... But I got for Christmas, I just realized. (laughs) I got an Amazon Echo for Christmas, so now I can play my audiobooks directly through my Echo. So yes, if you have an Echo or any of the devices I just named, you can play Audible through any of those devices. With my Echo, it works beautifully. So if you're into audio as much as I am, I want you to take advantage of the 30-day trial Audible has going on by going to audible.com forward slash brain. That's right. Go get your free book. Go to Audible, which is A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com, and then put the forward slash brain so you can get a free book and your 30-day trial. Now, when you're there, maybe you can download the latest book by someone like Eckhart Tolle. I love his audiobooks because he actually reads them personally. And if you ever have trouble being in the present moment, his books will bring you <laughs> into that moment believe me and you'll be totally calm and present and completely in the zone you'll love it or maybe soon you'll hear your favorite podcast's new book I wonder what podcast that is hopefully soon I can't divulge anything yet (laughs) but if you're like me and you need to have your hands free while you're learning or being entertained in some way visit audible.com forward slash brain get your free book and start your 30 day trial today Hey, there's so much still left to learn, right? And why not learn with your hands free? You know, washing the dishes, driving that commute back and forth every day. Go to audible.com forward slash brain and download your free audiobook today. All right, welcome back. This is Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help answer their challenge or uh, resolve a crisis of some sort. (laughs) I got an email here that um, is from a single mother, and she's been divorced for several years, and she hasn't had a long-term relationship since then. And she goes on to say that um, dating has changed so much since before I was married And I've just decided to wait until love finds me. As looking for it has been a real unproductive pain in the A. (laughs) As of recently, I've been approached and the guy is ready to pursue. Let me also say that I am attracted to black men. And unfortunately, the pickings are slim where I am. I am so ready for love to find me, but not so desperate that I'm willing to just date anyone. Or am I? The guy who just approached me has baggage. I mean several children, with uh, several baby mothers, (laughs) he served uh, some time in jail for certain things that I won't mention here, Uh, but he seems to have turned his life around and has held a steady job for quite a while. Should I give this a second look, or should I run? I've never been the best at making decisions like these, and I am usually guided by the peace I feel within. Right now, I feel like he has too much baggage. But I'm having mixed emotions because I've not been genuinely pursued in a long time and it just simply feels good. Help! <laughs> All right, I'm going to call you um, Sandy. All right, Sandy. This is a, a good question. And, you know, some people might hear this and go, oh my God, run. <laughs> you don't want to be any part of that. And then some people might hear it go, well, he's held down a job and he seems to have turned his life around Do you hold it against him um, for eternity? You know, what is the best solution here? Now, this is going to be my educated opinion, if I can call it that, in the sense that you said he has baggage, you know he has baggage, but let's define what that baggage is. First of all, there's the emotional baggage of um, maybe some of the stuff that he ended up in jail for. Uh, maybe the the some of the stuff that he couldn't hold down a relationship with a single person, uh, all kinds of emotional baggage that might have led to some mistakes that he's made in his life. So with that in mind, the questions that I would ask a, a potential partner would have to do with how they feel and where they are with some of the decisions they made in their life, because a healthy person, someone who uh, let me word this carefully. (laughs) Someone who has, quote, turned his life around. Someone who has maybe healed from a lot of the mistakes they made in the past and they realized, geez, everything I do is turning into crap and I need to do something differently. Someone who's gone through a lot of personal growth, maybe coaching, maybe therapy, uh, maybe introspection. Maybe they started meditating and they realized, oh, I need to change my life. I need to turn it around. Someone who's done that is going to have a different attitude and certainly uh, less of a a victim mentality. Like they're not going to say things like, yeah, every woman I was with was just a B-I-T-C-H and I was always nice to them and uh, they treated me like crap. And you're going to hear the difference in attitude uh, with someone who's healed. Because someone who's healed is going to be like, you know, I was with this one woman, and you know she taught me that uh I shouldn't just yell at the top of my lungs when I'm mad, I should actually just talk it out, and I really learned something from her um and it just didn't work out between us, you know I really wanted it to, but it didn't, and he's going to have lessons from his life that he's going to see very philosophically I mean, this isn't always the case; sometimes we are genuinely mad at people in our life, and we can go. Oh my god, she treated me like crap, she cheated on me, she did this, she did that, and I don't want anything to do with her anymore. But if if it's a pattern like every single relationship in his life uh was a failure because of someone else's fault and not his, if he doesn't take responsibility for his role, that's a warning flag. You do want to be careful when someone's not taking responsibility for their role. It it's sort of like um When I was a manager at a tech company in the nineties, when we brought people in for a potential hire, we would listen to how they talked about their former employees, their former managers and their former jobs. And anyone that had anything negative to say, like a lot, I mean, within reason, because sometimes you go, you know, my, that manager didn't like me (laughs) and uh, we just didn't get along. That's different than going, my manager was a real jerk. (laughs) <laughs> and every day I'd walk in and he would give me that look and he would think that I wasn't working and uh, I just couldn't stand being around him. That, that takes you out of the equation. So whenever you're talking to someone where they take themselves out of the equation and it's someone else's fault and they take no responsibility, big flag. <laughs> red, Yellow or red flag, however you want to label that, but that is a flag. Because um, when you don't take responsibility for your role, then that's what you're going to get with someone if you are in a, a relationship with them. They're not going to feel like they're responsible for anything, even though they're in the equation. One plus one equals two. So one person plus another person equals a relationship, which means if one person's arguing, the other person's in the argument. Even if they're not arguing, they're still part of the equation. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> but when you are part of the equation, you have a responsibility. You are part of it. You are also responsible for your role in that equation. Even if you're a hundred percent right and they're a hundred percent wrong, uh, you know the facts are clear. You're still involved, and you should still take responsibility for your role in it. It's sort of like um my marriage. You know, I take responsibility for my role in the relationship. Uh, failing. Even though when we uh, first separated, uh, I blamed her for leaving, for us not going to therapy, if she would only give me another chance, if she would uh, come back and I could show her how changed I was. I just put all my focus and energy on her and how it, her leaving was her fault, not mine. But boy, some healing came when I realized, oh, wait, she wouldn't have left had I not done most of the stuff I did. And I started taking responsibility, realizing I created this mess. And uh, you know, maybe not a hundred percent, but I feel very responsible, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent of of the things that went down in that relationship and why the relationship degraded. So I can look back at my own relationship and go, yeah, I had a huge responsibility, I had a huge role. In how that played out. And I feel mostly if not wholly responsible. For the way it happened. I didn't when we first broke up. But I had to heal from some stuff. To get to this point. So that's what I mean by emotional baggage. If the person that you're interested in. Feels no responsibility whatsoever. For his or her role. (laughs) Or in your case Sandy. uh, His role. In his past relationships, in his past jobs, in his past decisions that uh, caused him to go to jail, he's not taking responsibility for that, stay away. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't do or should or shouldn't think, but I would say stay away because you don't want someone that doesn't take responsibility. You don't want someone who hasn't learned the lessons in life and just sees himself as the victim in the world and everyone else is at fault. That's kind of a scary place to be with someone who doesn't see his own responsibility for the parts that he's played in the world. So there's that. There's the emotional baggage part. Now you have the actual real world uh, physical baggage that comes with um, dating or getting involved with someone like this. You have four moms that he will probably have to communicate with on a regular basis. That is, if He wants to continue seeing his children. And you have the financial aspect of those children if he is taking care of those children financially, you know, child support and such. And you also have the idea that he might still have friends that he was connected to and connected with that were related to his jail time, were related to his activities, um, going to jail, that sent him to jail, These are the real world things that are happening today that are the physical baggage that you need to be highly aware of. Do you want four different women associating with him because he has four different moms for four different children in your life? You may not care and it may not be any problem with you whatsoever. Personally, in my own life, again, this is all my own personal opinion. If um, my girlfriend had four different dads and four different kids, it's not that I am judging that. I just that I don't know if I can deal with um, all the drama that might come with that. <laughs> and I'm not saying this can't work. There are relationships out there where this happens. We make decisions in our life and uh, we make kids in our life. And now there are different parents and different families. But there's just a lot of variety in that type of family. Like when I get with my girlfriend, um, not only is she in my family, but her kids are in my family. And if each kid also has a family, now my extended family is their family. I mean, it doesn't have to be, and it may not be directly. But you get the idea. You have a lot more going on in your life when there are a lot more associations and links and ties back to you back to the one you're with and so it is something to keep in mind because what you take on let's just say his name was Bill and Bill comes home and says I need to meet with my number 2 baby's mom tonight because we have to go over financial arrangements then Is that going to be all right? And you have to come to the decision in you where you go, yeah, of course, that's all right. Or, well, you know, I'd rather have time with you, but I understand. And then uh, two nights later, I have to meet with baby mom number four um, because we have to talk about something else. Is that all right with you? So this is the kind of thing that will happen if he's continuing to stay in touch And if he's continuing to pay child support, I mean, it all depends on the situation and what's going on there. But um, what else do you have as evidence, and here's my last point, that he has actually turned his life around? Because that's important. What is your evidence that he's turned his life around besides saying, yeah, I turned my life around? I mean, that's great. (laughs) And I hope it's true. And now you have a whole lot that you're carrying with you. I mean, this guy, Bill, or whatever his name is. And uh, he has to go forward knowing that he has to deal with that stuff. And it might be hard for him, but if he's all about, yep, I'm going to take care of my kids. I made a lot of mistakes and I had a lot of relationships and I went to jail. I am not going to do that ever again. I want to settle down. I want to uh, be with someone uh, permanently, long-term. I don't do anything illegal anymore. At least I try to be a good citizen. I mean, if you're hearing all of this, and he's very congruent, meaning his intentions match his behavior. What he says, he actually does. And there's no incongruence. I mean, you don't see these little patterns. There's no um, feeling in you of suspicion. Like, you know, he said this and it didn't really go that way. Or he says he was talking to this woman who's his ex-wife, but uh, I have a funny feeling that it wasn't. If you get any of those feelings, you have to listen strongly because those feelings typically don't go away and they will get worse <laughs> because usually there's some truth. I don't want to just paint everyone into a corner and say when you're suspicious, it's always true, but you do have to start listening to your, your intuition and going, you know, he said he was on his way home and it took him two hours to get home. Something doesn't add up. When that happens more often than not, it's time to start realizing that there's more going on that meets the eye. So you really have to be cognizant. You really have to be careful, no matter how much you want love and how much you want a relationship, what you could be dragging into your life. Because the last thing I want to see is someone get into a relationship just because they want to be in a relationship and it turns out to be torture <laughs> or it turns out to be miserable. And 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 I do see this. I see people get into relationships because there's hints of love and happiness in romance. And ninety percent of the time it's suspicions and dealing with manipulative behaviors and trying to figure out if they're lying or not or just trying to connect with them in some way or, or maybe they show up differently than they did in the first couple months of your relationship these are all things that you have to be very aware of don't put the blinders on when you fall in love because falling in love is not a green light falling in love is your body giving in to feeling good being with someone else and you feeling more and more safe with that person. And uh, often, we'll put the blinders on, and anything that doesn't feel right, we'll be blind to it, we'll we'll ignore it, because we don't want it to be true. That is called denial. That is where we put ourselves when we just don't want to believe that someone could be that way. We don't want to believe it, so we start ignoring the warning flags. So, I'm giving you a lot to chew on here because you do need to chew on this. And if you've gotten into a relationship with this person since you wrote me this letter, uh, now you can look back and go, okay, is he that same loving, wonderful, happy, funny guy that I met uh, back then? Or is he changing? Are there things that I feel a little funny about? And if that's the case, you don't necessarily have to commit to someone just because you fell in love, and I want you to remember that. And and this is terrible advice too. <laughs> this is good advice and terrible advice because I know someone out there is going to be going to be like, what? If you fall in love, you don't have to commit. What if you get married? What about the sanctity of commitment and marriage? And what about honor and integrity? Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree. If you want to commit to someone then you should go full in be in integrity give it your best shot but it works both ways and if love is all about supporting the other person's happiness and they're not supporting you being happy because they're doing things that make you unhappy then the contract is being invalidated the contract the commitment that you have to each other i'm going to love you you're going to love me that means i'm going to support your happiness and you're going to support my happiness I want to feel safe with you. And how do I feel safe? You're open. You're honest. You've got nothing to hide unless it's my birthday. Or you've, You're easy to get along with. I trust you. I feel trusted by you. It has to work both ways. So when it's not working one way, there's a problem. The relationship is not relating. The partners in the relationship are not relating to each other anymore and questions need to be raised or at least some introspection needs to take place because it is so vital that you don't put those blinders on. I love being in love and I I bet you do too. If you love being in love, just remember that you need a healthy love that's reciprocal, not a one-way love where you're looking for slivers of love from someone else and you feel safe Sometimes, but not other times. You feel suspicious sometimes, but not other times. These are all patterns that I think I brought up in last week's episode or the week before where you look for patterns. Is there a pattern of behavior that continues to play out? These patterns are good indicators that something else may be going on. So like I said, I gave you a lot to chew on. You just have to be aware that you will get both the emotional and the physical baggage that comes with all of this. And if you don't have a problem, then give it a shot. Just keep those blinders off because the blinders are how you dig yourself into a deeper and deeper hole every day. And I know there's someone out there listening right now that is saying, yes, the hole I'm in right now is so deep, I feel like I'll never get out. And let me tell you, if you're in that hole... It doesn't feel good. It feels like you're helpless. But uh, I'm here to say that you're not. There's always a way. And sometimes that way doesn't appear uh, immediately. Sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes you have to plan a little while. So if you're in that hole, there is hope. Keep listening to this show. Look at your situation and find back episodes that relate to your situation. And uh, start gaining empowerment. Because... That's where the true answers in life lie. When you're empowered, you will make decisions that are right for you. That is like my elevator speech. (laughs) I am here to help increase your emotional intelligence so that you can make decisions that are right for you. And that to me is personal empowerment. When you're empowered, then the answers will come because you'll find a way. When you feel powerless, you feel like there is no way. But when you're empowered, the way comes, the way appears, because you're in a different space and different thoughts come to mind and you're thinking from a place of power, not hopelessness. So there's my answer, Sandy. I really hope this helps you out. Thank you so much for writing. Good luck with everything. And thanks for listening to the show. We'll be right back. I'm going to close it up, say some thank yous, and uh, give you my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank hmm, three people for their reviews of The Overwhelmed Brain book in Amazon. Now, some of these names are tricky for me to pronounce. (laughs) So I'm going to do my best. Thank you to Awesome B. That's B-E-A. I think it's B. So Awesome B. And this next one, this one's the, the really hard to pronounce one, I think. Maybe I'll get it right. Zan Belsley or Xan Belsley. Thank you. And this one I can get, Anne. <laughs> they reviewed the book on Amazon. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Zan. And thank you, Awesome B, for your review of the Overwhelmed Brain book. If you get the book and you want to leave a review on Amazon, I'm going to read your name on the air and thank you in front of 220 countries just because that's the kind of guy I am. And no, I'm not trying to bribe you for reviews <laughs> because I'm here to say, if you write a bad review... I'm still going to thank you for taking the time to do it. So there, (laughs) if you want to be thanked on the air, just go ahead and leave a review for the Overwhelmed Brain book in Amazon. And I'll definitely be grateful for your time and energy doing that. And I want to thank audible.com. I want to encourage you to go to audible.com forward slash brain and get your free book today. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more you will find what you're looking for. Get your free audiobook with a 30-day trial today by signing up at audible.com forward slash brain. I also want to thank the TOB patron members. If you're part of the patron membership group, I appreciate you. You're helping to support this show and you're getting all kinds of private episodes that no one's ever heard, or at least non-members have never heard. (laughs) So I'm glad to connect with you and I'm so glad that you're supporting the show in that way. Thank you. I also want to thank you if you're using the Amazon link on the overwhelmedbrain.com. That is the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening for a day, like a binge listener that I just heard from, <laughs> she heard my podcast for the first time and said, oh, I got to listen to more of this. And she binged listened. If you're one of those bingers, or if you've been listening for years, use the Amazon link on the website. And every time you do, they send us pennies for every dollar you spend. I mean, that's if you're going to go shopping. you don't just have to click on amazon and do nothing i mean you do have to buy something so if you're going to buy something from amazon do it through the overwhelmed brain link and that will be a wonderful contribution thank you for that and finally thank you to kevin mcleod of incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain so it was more of a uh, potpourri variety show today we started talking about uh dreams and things like that and it's pretty interesting um When you start thinking about your dreams and start asking yourself, am I dreaming? Um, Is this a dream? You're looking around and some people believe that we're in a dream right now. That's a philosophical discussion for another day and maybe another show. (laughs) I like to think that this is the real world and that I'm living it and everything I do, it means something now. But, you know, I'm not here to argue that or debate that. Who knows who's right? I just like the idea that uh, when I go to sleep, my brain does all kinds of things. It shows these images. It plays these sounds. And it gives me these mysteries that I wake up and go, what the heck was that about? <laughs> and I do like the idea of um, determining what emotion was involved. And, you know, this doesn't mean that every time you wake up with uh, an emotion, it means that there's something repressed and it has to be resolved. But if you treat it that way, if you look at any negative emotions that you wake up with because of a dream or you're not even sure if it was a dream or not that caused it, uh, but if you didn't go to bed with that, maybe it was, who knows. But anything that you wake up with, you can go, hmm, why am I waking up with this thought or these negative feelings or emotions? What's, what is it about that? What am I holding on to? You're just inquisitive about yourself. I mean, that's what critical thinking is all about, just asking yourself questions and questioning your life and your even your beliefs and your values and just going through going, you know, is what I'm doing working for me? Is what I said to my boss yesterday empowering to me? Is what I said to my partner empowering? Is the stuff that I'm doing for other people empowering? I mean, everything that we do has a positive impact or a negative impact Or it can have no impact. But I really think that everything that we actually do and say uh, either contributes or takes away. Now, does that mean it's true? (laughs) Some people will say, well, if you're sitting there doing nothing, you're not contributing or taking away. Well, that, that could be true too. But I choose to have a belief that I'm either contributing or not. If I'm sitting there in silence, then I'm probably contributing in a way that relaxes me so I'm not angry later. That might be a contribution. (laughs) Or if I'm um, washing the dishes, that feels contributory. I could probably see the positive impact that would have. If I go uh, food shopping, okay, that seems contributory. What about if I get mad and yell at someone who took my parking spot? How is that having a positive impact in my life, in their life? How is it going to contribute to my happiness? I mean, I guess we have to define what we're contributing towards. Are we contributing towards someone else's happiness? Are we contributing toward the planet? Uh, What are we contributing toward? And that's one of those introspective questions. When I do or say something in the world, what am I contributing toward? I'm all about contributing toward yourself and others. As long as you're not going into any sort of emotional deficit when you contribute to others and into the world. Yes, I have seen people sacrifice a lot of their own uh, personal, emotional stability to help others. And it can be very noble. And if you do it often, it'll wear you down and burn you out and you'll build resentment. But if you do it every now and then, I mean, maybe not all the time. Maybe, Maybe some people are born to be noble and that is what they thrive on. And if that's you, fantastic. Always do what works for you. But if you find that you're giving and giving and you just don't feel like you're getting anything back out of it, it's not motivating you, it's not helping you be more enthusiastic about your life, it's not contributing to your happiness, then maybe you're doing something that is taking away. And that just needs to be evaluated every now and then. Is what I'm doing contributing in some way or is it taking away? And you have to define what contributing means to you. For me, it's probably around happiness, even though that's a high-level, ambiguous word. (laughs) But I load a lot into that word happiness. What does happiness mean to me? But to you, it might be something else. For example, I used to make decisions based on, is it contributing to my financial health? Because if it's not, I'm probably making the wrong decision. You know, I'm in the store and I'm looking at this $250 $250 item compared to the $50 item that can probably do the same thing, but this $250 item will probably last five years, but this other one, well, and I'm making these comparisons and then I go, wait, I mean, this is just like a, a values exercise. What are my values and finances and how I spend my money, how I want to save money? I might go, wait, the $250 purchase does not contribute to my financial health at this time in my life. doesn't mean it's forever. It just means wherever your focus is at the time. And you can go, you know, I'm going to do the $50 one. It's going to do the same thing. It may not be the best. It may not have all the features I want, but it's going to do the job for now because that'll save me $200 that I can put somewhere else or save or not spend, however you see it. So it's a good way to look at life. Am I contributing or am I taking away? Define what that means to you or not. (laughs) You don't have to follow this, but it is another way to perceive what you do in the world and if it's benefiting you and if you have any question if it's benefiting others is this contributing to this person's life i mean that's how i used to treat my boss i'd be like is what i'm about to do going to make my boss happy not not because i was scared like i better make him happy no not because of that because uh, i wanted to make their life easier how can i make my boss's life easier Uh, because i know it trickles down first of all (laughs) if they're happy i'm probably happy it's like that sign you have in some houses. If mama's not happy, ain't no one happy. <laughs> I really like that. So, how do you keep mama happy? How do you keep the boss happy? And uh, that'll trickle down because if their life's easier, my life will probably be easier. If um, I do something that really helps them out and makes their job more efficient, maybe they won't be so angry all the time or something like that. How am I contributing? And when it comes to Getting mad at that person who took your parking spot, like I said earlier, what's a good way to contribute to this situation? Hmm, do I say anything? Do I walk away and just go, hmm? Do I fester and go, oh, that son of a, he knew I was going to take that spot. Why did he take it? Maybe I should approach him and say, hey, you know, we're both vying for the same spot. You won. I submit. My hat's off to you. Hmm, could I do that? (laughs) I don't know. I might walk away crossing my arms going, "Oh, jerk. He saw my eyes were looking at that spot. He knew where I was going." Who knows? I I know that in uh traffic, I I think that's where a lot of anger rises up for people. <laughs> in traffic when you get when you get cut off or someone's flying and they come up right behind you and they're tailgating and they're tailgating and they're tailgating, some people will slow down and they'll say, "I'm going to make your life miserable." And I'm going the speed limit. I'm sorry if you want to go faster, but you're breaking the law if you do, so I'm just going to do, do this speed and you're just going to have to follow me. I personally just pull over and let them fly past because I would rather have them keep the cop busy that's probably up ahead uh, doing speed checks. <laughs> so sure, if you want to go ahead and speed so that there's no chance that I'll get caught if I go a few miles over the speed limit, then be my guest. And it's funny, I always look for him too. I'm like, I wonder what happened to that red Toyota that I let pass. And one day I'll see someone pulled over and I'll go, there you are. You learned your own lesson. I had nothing to do with it. Uh Ha (laughs) ha. I don't think I'm that vindictive, am I? But you know what I mean, right? At least I didn't get angry and go, oh, you want to tailgate me? I'll show you. I don't like to be in that angry space. I would just rather let people learn their lessons on their own. They're going to get caught eventually. I mean, at least with this traffic example. <laughs> what I like to say is they'll, they'll eventually get their comeuppance. <laughs> so with that, I want you to open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all. And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. and Your brain is amazing.